I'm Chanae Ogumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. This week, I'm speaking with Clay Corcoran, a previous league champ in both the FFPC main event and the Football Guys Players Championship as well as the sixth-place overall finisher in the 2017 FPC. His career winnings total nearly $20,000. In this episode, we talk about whether he thinks the Bills' running back depth chart flip-flopped, the sudden re-rise of Kalen Balaj, the Buccaneers' failure to show up against the Saints, and much more. Before we do get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. All one word, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Now, without further ado, here is $20,000 High Stakes Fantasy Football winner, Clay Corcoran.
On the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown this week, the 2017 sixth place overall finisher in the Football Guys Players Championship. Joining me once again for a conversation, it is Clay Corcoran. Clay, welcome in. Thanks for doing the show. Thanks for having me, Eric. I really appreciate it. One of the things, and, and I feel like any time we ever talk or any time we ever have you as a guest on one of these FFPC podcasts, um, I, I feel like the thing I always want to reintroduce the listeners to or at least introduce them if they've never heard um, an interview with you before was your incredible 27 March to the Football Guys Players Championship over, overall title. And I, I just said it, you fell just short. You placed six overall, which you know it's still beating out several thousand teams is insane. But what you're... Set, what set you apart from many of the other um, players in that particular year's competition was your draft. Can you tell us what happened that night and then what happened going forward? Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, to start out with, um, you know, I, I usually sign up for drafts that are at 10 p.m. or later because I've got a couple of youngsters that, you know, I need to make sure are in bed. And uh, that particular draft, um, I had just, just about ready to log into the draft room and my son comes out and tells me that he vomited all over himself. So I had to kind of, you know, make a life decision at that point. Well, do I say, eh, mom can take care of you? Or do I say, well, you know, go ahead and draft her. Do I say, well, yeah, let's, let's take care of him. So I made a life decision. And of course, you know, I went and helped my son, you know, I gave him a bath and mom went and changed the sheets and everything. And uh, by the time we were all done, I checked the draft room, and it was, I think, in the 11th or 12th round by that point. And uh, <laughs> I'm too lazy to set my pre-draft <laughs> ranks like I know you should. So I just so it went totally off by what the computer gave me. And the computer actually gave me really good picks, especially in the first three rounds. I ended up, I just, I looked this up today because, you know, it's been three years ago now, but I did look it up today, and I got Antonio Brown, um, DeAndre Hopkins, and Todd Gurley in the first three rounds. And that's Todd Gurley in 2017, not 2020, and Antonio Brown in 2017, not 2020. And, um, you know, I, the, that kind of um, – that was the, the center of my team were those three guys. I got some pretty decent later picks too, and then I made some pretty good pickups. But, you know, after – after I thought, I, you know, I missed the draft, and I thought, well, that team's trash. You know, there's no way I'm going to win anything in that that team. And ended up, you know, not only winning my league individually, but, you know, for a short period of time in, in week 15, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I was in first place overall Oh yeah, in week 15. And <laughs> I was, uh, you know, totally pumped. Then Antonio Brown got an injury in week 15. That hurt. And um, my quarterback, Cam Newton, who'd been playing good, really good all throughout the playoffs. And then in week 16, he had kind of a dud game and ended up falling from first to sixth. But, you know, still for a team that I never even drafted <laughs> to come back and win, you know, I think I I can't remember how much for sure, but I think it was over $10,000 when it was all said and done that I won. You know, I, I guess my – my advice for people, if you miss a draft or if you have something like that happen, just don't think that, you know, it's a, it's a lost season because it definitely wasn't for me. And, that, you know, that, that turned out pretty good. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's one of those things, too, where it's like it's a testament to your lineup setting skills, your blind bidding skills, your waiver skills, you know, everything like that to, to make sure that 
um, you know, that this team was was properly cared for during the season. You know, a lot of te- people say, and this is this is my advice to everybody. Anytime you're in a league and you see somebody auto draft the team and you're ripping on the guy for oh who who you know who spends three hundred fifty dollars for a draft and doesn't show up. Well, life does get in the way. And just because it's an yep. auto-drafted team, it doesn't necessarily mean it, it, it's it's uh, it, it's done, you know. And and you are living proof of that. Just one week away oh, yeah. from winning a six-figure grand prize in an auto-drafted team, still incredible, sixth place overall. Um, and uh, kudos to you, sir. Uh, really good stuff there in 2017. Um, we moving forward to 2020. We now have a pretty good sample size of fantasy football for this season. We've got nine weeks in. When you look back, Clay, on on your pre-draft evaluation of, of certain players and players you targeted and players you got in drafts or or avoided who've been boss, um, who's a player that you got really right and who is a player that you missed on and got wrong? Well, I've got a couple guys that I'm going to give you for each way. So for players that I really got right, um, so I, I split leagues with my buddy Jordan. i got to give him a shout-out. Um, we do a couple of the FFPC leagues together. And, you know, last week, last year, uh, my late round target was Devontae Parker, who worked out really good. And so as we were going into drafts this, this year, you know, he's like, who's your Devontae Parker for this, for this year? And I said, Corey Davis. And that worked out really good up until last week when he scored, you know, zero points against the Bears. But (laughs) up until that point, he'd been doing really good. Um, so that's the one I nailed. Um, the one that I avoided uh, purposefully, and it seems to be working out for me so far, is Kenyon Drake. Uh, I just thought, you know, the, the stats were too good to be true at the end of the year last year with Arizona, and I just didn't see how he was going to keep that going. And and now he's hurt on top of that. So uh, that's one that you know I got right as far as as far as not drafting. Now two guys I missed on. First of all, was the guy that my buddy Jordan was kind of high on, and I said, no, I don't like him. He's injury-prone. He's on a new team. I, did, I don't trust him with Stephon Diggs. Um, I, I really wish I would have listened to Jordan on that one because, you know, I went with guys like T.Y. Hilton and Julian Edelman when I could have had Stephon Diggs. And, <laughs> you know, that's, that's definitely hurt my teams. And then um, – the guy that I was really high on, and I, I was—I have him in pretty much half of my draft that I did, and I, I'm so disappointed in him. Is uh, David Johnson? Um, I just really thought that offense—that he just fit that offense, and he was going to have a, a a comeback year, and it just hasn't worked out that way. Now he's hurt, and Duke Johnson starting, so that that just kind of sucks. But you know, he's—it's. Luck of the draw, you know, a lot of fantasy football, in my opinion, is is um, <laughs> just kind of luck. But um, that's one guy I definitely missed on. Um, I'm just curious because, it, I mean, certainly, and by the way, we're recording this on Wednesday night, so very little limited uh, um, injury report information coming in so far. But if David Johnson is indeed out, do you like Duke Johnson as a, as a solid flex start at Cleveland on Sunday, Clay? Definitely. I mean, he's going against his old team. He's got to be out for redemption, and you know I, I, I think you know he's um, Duke Johnson's a pretty good player. I just you know I, I don't know if he can handle twenty carries a game like like David Johnson can, but uh, I, I definitely see him scoring and in, uh, in the uh, FFP uh, FFP format probably fifteen twenty points 
or so, and I, I think he's uh, good for a touchdown and probably five to six catches and maybe 50 to 70 yards or so. So definitely, uh, I was searching for him on the waivers, and he's pretty much gone in all my leagues. So if he's out there, I would, I'd put a bid on him if I was you. I, 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 it's so funny because I, I went through um, all my leagues um, yesterday um, to see if anybody had dropped Mike Davis uh, after Christian McCaffrey came back, you know, hoping that he was out there. And I did a league search. Sure enough, he was available in one of my leagues, and it was a best ball where, you know, obviously you can't pick up anybody, and he's just sitting out on the oh, waiver wire. Geez. You know, it's, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, but I got excited when I saw that he was available in one league. Um, sticking to AFC backfields, uh, Buffalo. How likely is it that Devin Singletary is now the backup to Zach Moss going forward after what we saw against Seattle this past week? Well, yeah, so, you know, the thing is I drafted Singletary in, uh, I think, three leagues, and I own Moss in zero. So I hope that's not the case. But, I mean, if if, if I'm looking at how they looked against Seattle, the reality is that is probably the case. I think, you know, Moss has looked a lot better um, than Singletary. Singletary's probably still got some value as far as PPR, but uh, goal line carries and and just who looks like the better runner to me is definitely Moss. I wish I wish I would have um, listened to some of the experts in the preseason and, and taken him, but I didn't. And and it's tough too because you know it's not like Moss is is getting ninety percent of the touches there. You know it it is still a split, but it's a split that you know especially when you're when you're trying to make up ground, um, you know, to try to win a half million bucks. Um, Devin Singletary is probably not going to help you do that with. 35 or or even 40 percent of the touches in, in buffalo and and i think like you know you're better off doing some shoot for well not shoot for the moon lottery ticket i mean obviously you're going to play singletary over guys like you know um you know backup running backs for the the titans or the dolphins or anything like that but but it's tough to start singletary right now and 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 i think moss yeah. it just makes such such a, a better choice why do you think that you did end up you know now yeah hindsight's 2020 but why did you think that that you like singletary and weren't necessarily as concerned with with zach moss's presence as a lot of other people were well i'd watched singletary last year and he looked really good um and then you know they got rid of gore and and uh I, I thought Singletary was going to be the man. I, I didn't know much about Zach Moss going into this year, um, so I just I just kind of anticipated Singletary's going to be the mass going to be the man. Moss is a rookie, um, and that was kind of my basis for that. But uh, definitely didn't work out that way. You know, Singletary hasn't really panned out to be the guy that I thought he would be this year, which. Uh, luckily, I didn't draft him on a whole bunch of leagues, but I do have him on a few. Um, if he would basically, I thought if he's if he's there in the sixth or seventh round, I'm going to draft him, but I wasn't going to overdraft him. And he was there in a couple leagues, sixth or seventh round, which is why I ended up with him. But again, you know, I didn't have Moss in any of my leagues. I did not have him on my radar at all. Yeah, no, you and me both. I don't think I drafted Zach Moss anywhere uh, this year uh, either. Um, I'm just curious, you know, this is more of like a drafting philosophy question, but when you um, when when you do several leagues and and you and Jordan get together and and you 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 tell tell each other who you like in each round and you have certain targets, I don't necessarily want to focus this question on the latter half of drafts because everybody's got their favorites from round eleven on, and then that's fine. 
Um, if you load mm-hmm. up on, on, you know, you get this guy in 80% of your drafts and you're sinking a 15th round pick into him, no big deal. But I'm curious, in like the first 10, the first five or six uh, rounds, are you always trying to diversify on that, Clay? Or do you not mind loading up on one specific player early in your drafts if you really believe in him? You know, I, I think that we try to diversify as much. You know, we don't. I don't want the same player on every single team because injuries are just too unpredictable. But at the same time, if there's a guy that I really, really think is going to be, you know, a round or two ahead of his value, then I, you know, I don't mind drafting him on every single team that we have. Uh, there wasn't really a guy like that, except for maybe David Johnson in this case this year that I ended up with half on uh, half of my uh, leagues. But um, I guess that's kind of my philosophy going into that. Clay, um, at shift, uh, I want to. I, I think the thing is too is as we get deeper into the season, um, running backs get more and more interesting to talk about. You just said it. I mean, injuries happen all the time to everyone. Um, one of the injuries that is affecting the Washington backfield, ironically is their quarterback. Um, Kyle Allen yeah. goes down, and now uh, Alex Smith was checking down whenever he could <laughs> in, in the game on Sunday to J.D. McKissick. He gets 14 targets. It's it's crazy. Um, was this just a one-off game? Or do you believe that as long as Alex Smith is quarterbacking the Washington football team, J.D. McKissick is basically a slam-dunk top 20 FFPC running back every week going forward with all those targets? Well, I don't know about slam dunk per se, but um, you know my thought process is, and I and I don't watch the the Washington football team's practices by any means, but you know I think that Alex Smith being a second stringer, practicing with the second stringers, which is probably J.D. McKissick, since Antonio Gibson is you know the first stringer, they kind of build a repertoire, some chemistry, and and that's what you saw Sunday is you know Alex Smith is going to pass to the guy he trusts and that's right now McKissick um you know as Alex Smith practices with the first stringers going on you know progressively throughout the rest of the season uh, I don't know if McKissick is going to put up the same numbers that you know, I don't I don't think he's going to have 14 targets every every week like he did this last week but you know I can see him having five to seven targets a week and and uh you know being viable for a flex position um, but I still think Antonio Gibson is going to be the man there for the rest of the year. You know, once once they're practicing together and Alex Smith kind of develops some chemistry with Antonio Gibson, I think that that's that's he's going to kind of take over for McKissick. But but then again, you, you never know. You know, like like you just said, un- injuries are unpredictable. Antonio Gibson could go down with an injury, and McKissick could be the man here on out, and you know that could be very valuable going into the playoffs here too a big time injury in los angeles that has made uh, unpredictable um the, the word to know in the chargers backfield was austin eckler going down because it's been crazy since then you've had justin jackson yeah. you've had joshua kelly you've had kalen balaj we saw this last week we saw uh troy main pope um ha- have a big week eight so I'm just kind of curious, and it looks like Justin Jackson is is probably leaning towards not playing again against the Dolphins this week. Um, I bring this up because um, now now Pope looks like he practiced on Wednesday, so I think he he could be in the mix. 
the Chargers seem hell-bent on not giving Josh Kelly the, the, the lion's share of the carries. He talked about Duke Johnson going up against his old team. Well, Kalen Balazs is going to be going up against his old team here, too, assuming he um, does get lifted from the practice squad to the active roster. How confident would you feel in flexing out Balazs in a quote-unquote revenge game in this matchup? Well, you know, the thing about the Chargers is they are just kind of like the New England Patriots have been for years. You you just never know who's going to get the touches for running backs. Um, you know, I, I've kind of fallen for it, and I picked up Joe Kelly, and then I picked up Justin Jackson. Last week I put some small bids in for Pope because he looked like the best running back. And then I didn't even know Balazs. You know, I, I guess I don't I, Probably should have known this, but I didn't, I didn't even know Balazs was even on the Chargers roster. Yeah, I me neither. Me neither. Jets. I had no idea. He <laughs> totally caught me off guard. And then it, yeah, I'm watching the, the stat lights come through on Sunday. I'm like, Kalen Balazs is getting all the carries for the Chargers. What's up with that? Uh, so, I, you know, next week they'll probably bring LT back. So I'm probably – I'm not going to put a lot of stock into Balazs and – He'll probably, you know, score 30 points because of that reason. Um, but I, for me, I'm avoiding the, the Chargers' backfield for the rest of the year just because it's it's just too unpredictable. Talking about um, Christian McCaffrey in the offseason and even now, I watched a lot of people chime in on Twitter. I talked to a lot of high-stakes players on the high-stakes fantasy football hour, on the on the road of his high-stakes lowdown. Um, we talked about this McCaffrey thing. Um some people, and I don't think this was a um, a majority. I don't even think it was a large plurality. I think it was a certain section of people said, I'm not taking McCaffrey 101. I'm going to take Barkley. I'm going to take Elliott. I'm going to take Kamara. I'm going to take you know Michael Thomas or any of these guys um, because I, I believe that um, uh, McCaffrey's workload over the last two years, there's no way that anybody can sustain this and not get hurt. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to... I don't want to tip my hand on where where I'm leaning. Well, you know, quite frankly, I'm not sure which way I'm leaning because I, I go back and forth on this. But Clay, do you did you do you feel like we should have seen these injuries coming? I mean, he he has the big time you know high ankle sprain earlier in the season. He cu- comes back for one game. Now he goes down with a shoulder injury. Could be a significant shoulder injury. Do you think we should have seen these coming given what we've seen, or do you believe that you know this is just coincidence? It's a tough position to play in in the NFL. Eventually, all these running backs are going to get dinged up. Where do you fall in this whole McCaffrey situation? Well, yeah, first of all, you know, I I watch McCaffrey play, and he's very talented, but he just doesn't seem like the guy that can handle these continuous touches to me. He's he's not that big. Um, So, you know, I think Carolina had a really good plan going into Sunday's game and, you know, I was reading about it Sunday morning and they're like, yeah, you know, we're going to, we're going to ease McCaffrey back in and, and then we're going to alternate series with uh, Mike Davis. And it's going to be about 50, 50 between Mike Davis and, and McCaffrey. And I, you know, I was like, oh, that's a pretty good plan, but you know, for a plan to work, you have to stick with it. And they obviously didn't stick with it. And, and McCaffrey got, you know, I don't know how many touches, but he had, you know, 10 receptions or whatever and 20 carries. So, you know, that that's hard to, to put that on a player coming back from six weeks of not playing. I think that was a mistake on Carolina's part, and I think that's why he ended up with a shoulder injury. Um, 
now, you know, speaking on the benefit of, of me, um, <laughs> I have Mike Davis, the, the McCaffrey owner in, in my best uh, FFPC league, did not draft Mike Davis. So I have Mike Davis as a backup, and I don't have Christian McCaffrey. So, you know, I'm smiling from ear to ear yeah. hearing that McCaff- you know, McCaffrey might be out for a long period of time, and I'm going to plug Mike Davis in there to roll with him. But, um, you know, I, I think that that's, yeah, I, I just don't see how he could stand up to the uh, to the amount of carries and the receptions he was getting the last couple of years, and I think that's proven here. But uh, one thing I want to say while we're talking about McCaffrey is, you know, big, I'm a, you know, uh, big Husker Nation, uh, Nation fan, and his younger brother, Luke McCaffrey, plays for the Huskers right now. He's a freshman, and um, he's he's been looking – he looks like Christian McCaffrey almost on steroids right now. And, wow. You know, if you want to see some, some talent, you know, check out the game this week. I think he's going to start a quarterback for Nebraska this week. I think they're going to – I'm not entirely sure about that, but he's a freshman, and they have a senior, uh, Martinez, who just hasn't really panned out this year. And, um, man, he looks so talented. He's just awesome. They don't know what to do with him. He's he's listed as a quarterback slash wide receiver slash running back on the Nebraska roster. And I, I think he's going to be the man. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking even Heisman potential coming up in a couple of years. So if you want to watch something interesting on Saturday, tune into the Nebraska-Penn State game and, and watch his brother Luke McCaffrey play. Boy, wouldn't that be crazy if if Luke McCaffrey sends Penn State to zero and four? It just, I, I, it'd be incredible. And and I know, you know, his his other brother Dylan, um, it is a quarterback for Michigan, but I believe he opted out for the twenty twenty season, so we won't see him till twenty twenty one. But I've heard I've heard people say that that um, Dylan McCaffrey is the best one. I've heard that Luke McCaffrey um, is turning more heads in college than Christian. And um, and Dylan did their freshman years too, so it, it's it's going to be crazy um, to watch it. And and we'll see what he, what position yeah. he, he plays in the pros. You know, if he's a quarterback yeah, or, or a running back or receiver, he he should be impactful at any of those. Clay. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think you, you know I can see him being a first rounder in uh, you know probably the twenty 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 four draft, I guess. But I can see him being a first rounder and. And, you know, fantasy lineups in 25, 2025, 20, 2026, he'll probably go in the first round wherever he goes. So, I mean, he's got a ton of talent, and uh, he's exciting to watch. So yeah. I'm very, very interested to see how that pans out. Poor Max McCaffrey, the oldest one, was like a practice squad guy, receiver for like the Packers and the Jaguars and several other teams and, and never really panned out. But that happens. I mean, Cooper Manning was the oldest Manning brother, and we never talk about him either. Uh, it's just sometimes true, that's true. the way it works out. Um, let's shift to Tampa um, and, and talk about um, it. You know, so bizarre because, and this is how you know. I said this um, on one of my local radio shows here in Northeast Wisconsin. I said, "Here's how you know it's 2020 when the Sunday night game between the NFC Titans, New Orleans Saints, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers is a route that's over with in the early second quarter." Um, 38 to three final score, total snooze fest of a game, and then you get the winless Jets and the you know two and five or three and five whatever they were New England Patriots going on Monday Night Football where nobody's excited to watch it. I was on the edge of my seat till the final play of that game. Just so crazy yeah. how the primetime games worked out in Week Nine. But this Tampa game, the offensive line could not protect Tom Brady at all. I mean, he was under heavy pressure 
all Sunday night. Um, and, I, and I'm kind of, you know, wondering, is the book now out on Tampa? Was it just a one-off? I'm not sure. Um, but not only do you have to worry, if you're Tampa, how to protect Tom Brady, if you own any of these um, uh, receivers, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, if you own any of these guys, how do you start, you know, managing expectations? How far do you have to pull them in, given that, you know, Brady's going to want to throw to not only all three of those guys, but Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, Rob Gronkowski, um, Cameron Brady's going to want to throw to all those guys as well. Have you start reining in your expectations for those individual pass-catching Buccaneers now? Well, you know, I live in the Tampa area, and Sunday night was definitely a disappointing game. But at the same time, you know, their offensive line was missing a, a very key component in uh, Ali Marpet, who's, you know, he's the foundation of that offensive line. And, um, and, and then you can't underestimate you know the, the Saints defensive line is incredible and um I I don't I I think Tom Brady's gonna have a bounce back uh next week he's playing Carolina um I think he's gonna be back to his normal self and I think the receivers are gonna get their catches um but what I really like about Tom Brady and I've drafted you know living in Tampa I've drafted him in about half of my league and uh, looking at weeks 14 through 16, which is, you know, obviously the the playoffs for the FFPC and the Football Guys Championships, um, you know, the, the schedule is they play the Lions, the Vikings, and the Falcons. And the Falcons, um, you know, they're the, the, the worst defense as far as giving up passing touchdowns. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings are the fourth worst, and the Lions are the seventh worst. I did some homework before this. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I, I really like that. And I, you know, I think that by the time he's got some chemistry with Antonio Brown and hopefully Godwin stays healthy, I really, really think that uh, Tom Brady is going to be the number one quarterback for those three weeks. Uh, that's my bold prediction, anyway, and that's my unbiased bold <laughs> prediction is that he's going to be the uh, the best quarterback to have for the fantasy football playoffs. And uh, you know, I I really am, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping that that holds true. Obviously, but I think it will. You know, Ali Marpet just had a concussion last week, and he's going to be back hopefully this week. If not this week, he'll be back next week. And hopefully they can stay. The offensive line can stay healthy, and we don't have a repeat of Sunday's game. And I, I, I just don't see that happening. So I feel completely confident with starting uh, Godwin and Evans. And uh, yeah, I'm not too sure about Antonio Brown yet. We'll see what what happens with that. But um, for for sure, I, I'm confident in starting Godwin and Evans moving forward. Um. You mentioned it. It's coming up on crunch time. Um, before the three-week uh, three championship sprint, We right before that, we have the league playoffs, league championships. But the next two weeks, obviously, the final two weeks in the FFPC and Football Guys regular seasons, um, you got to get these start sits right. If you've ever needed them to be right all season, it has never been more important than right now thus far. Um, when you come to a decision, Clay, where, where you just don't know which guy to flex out, 
uh, when you don't know which guy to start as your second running back, when you don't know which guy to put in at quarterback or your receiver or last receiver or or um, tight end. How do you do? How do you break ties? What do you do when when you know it's one of those decisions where you're thinking about for days leading up to it? How how do you finally decide on on who to start when these lineup decisions are, you know, have never been more important than they are right now? Yeah. So you know, again, I I talked to my buddy Jordan. Uh, we we go through Messenger on on Sunday mornings. We have a couple teams together, and then we help help each other out with the teams that we don't have together. And usually, you know, brainstorming, we come up with the right choices, but we still miss at the same time a lot of times. Like, for instance, this week, uh, one of our FFPC leagues, we, uh, you know, we said, okay, we're going to start two out of three. We had Jerry Judy, uh, Russell Gage, and J.K. Uh, Dobbins. And we decided, well, Russell Gage, okay, Ridley's out, so – you know, Gage to get a ton of balls. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram's out. Figure he's going to be a big factor. And uh, Jerry Judy, well, Tim Patrick's back, so we didn't. We kind of you know held off our expectations on Judy. So of the you know the two players we started were Gage and and Dobbins, and then of course you know Judy has the game of his life yeah. uh, while we sit Gage and and Dobbins on the bench. Um. That happens, but you know, just normally just talking through things with uh, with him, and then looking at, I guess, what the experts predict. You know, I've got a few websites that I subscribe to uh, among football guys, um, and I just kind of see what they all have to say, and I make my decision based on the expert picks, and then brainstorming with Jordan. Um, and usually, you know, again, I'd say. Not all the time do I predict what is the best lineup, but 60% of the time, um, you know, after talking to Jordan and looking at those expert picks, we're usually right. I, you know, I'm the same way as you when it comes to, to do that. Like, the way I set my lineups every week is is I basically will, you know, take a look at different ranking sites from, from a lot of the places um, that that I subscribe to, that I believe in, that have worked out for me before. Rotoviz, Football Guys, Draft Sharks. I mean, um, there, there's been so many um, uh, over the years, and and ones that I still check now. Um, Rotoball or Roster Watch. I mean, it, it, the list goes on. Um, but there will be times when I will I'll be looking at all these, you know, what the what the analysts are saying. Um, and I'll be like, I just, I don't see it. I, I can't get behind that. And then I'll think, okay, um, you know, am I overthinking or underthinking this? Are they in the right? Because I am way off base on, on their line of thinking here. But usually what it comes mm-hmm. down to is, you know, these are my teams. I have to live and die with the decisions that I make, not what somebody else is, is saying. So by and large, you know, yeah. the obvious ones are obvious. But when it comes down to it, um, uh, unless I... I have a really bad feeling about my line of thinking. Um, I, I usually go with what I think uh, when it comes down to it. Sometimes now the experts have saved me over the years for sure from from decisions that I'm like, well, you know, I, I think this is the right play, but literally everybody else has it the other way. I, I'm probably going to go the other way, and, and I'm probably off on this. And, and that's not always a hard and fast rule, but that's the way it's worked out for me over the years too. Um, it's it's one of those things where it's just it, it's an art. 
and I don't think we'll ever figure it out um, officially. I don't think anybody, no matter how good you are, has has you know, lineup <laughs> decision, uh, uh, starting and sitting, uh, figured that out uh, completely uh, either. Um, you probably already have all your waiver, waiver bids set for Wednesday night as um, the waiver deadline slated to go through here in, in a few minutes in, in the FFPC main event, Football Guys Players Championship. Who are some of the high-priority waiver bids you made as, as we head into this week, or do you not have a whole lot of money to, to, to manage and, and push around with in your leagues right now, Clay? Uh, well, well, first of all, I'm pretty good about saving my money, and I do have a lot of money to uh, to, 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 to tinker with. Um, and and it's, it, it really depends on the league. Like, uh, There's one league where Curtis Samuel is available, so I put in a pretty good bid on him. Uh, Christian Kirk was available in another league, and I put in a, a, a pretty good bid on him. Um, the uh, the guy that's out there in pretty much every league that that uh, that I put uh, not a sizable bid, but I put in a, a moderate bid in as uh, Ryan Nall. Mm. Um, you know, David Montgomery, uh, he just does not look himself this whole year um, at all to me, as far as uh, as far as the Bears are concerned. Um, you know, I know that you know the past two years he's looked really explosive, and I know in Iowa, I, I remember the stat coming out of Iowa State is um, uh, he in his senior year made the most guys miss out of every running back that came out that year, and it kind of carried over the first two years uh, as far as Montgomery's concerned, but. This year, you know, it seems like if a fly lands on him, he goes down. <laughs> and I just think that I, I think that he's still kind of hurt. That groin injury that he had preseason has been affecting him still. That's you know my opinion. I, I don't have any proof of that, but um, Ryan All for you know the last eight minutes that he was in there for Chicago this last uh, this last game, he looked really good. And you know, even if Montgomery plays. I I still think Nall is the better player, and I, I can see him getting some some uh, some action this week. And if Montgomery doesn't play because of the, because of his concussion, then that makes Nall even more valuable. So that's one guy that I'm I'm kind of pegged on. Uh, Duke Johnson's available in a couple weeks. So I put some bids in on him. Um, Tyler Eifert is another guy. You know, you got the the inexperienced quarterback and they generally kind of dump down to their tight ends and they're going to be playing from behind. I'm sure of it because of, uh, you know, they're playing the Packers. So that's another guy that I've, I've kind of put a bit on. And, um, I guess that those, those are my guys that, uh, that I've been on so far. Yeah. Ryan Nall's an interesting guy too, because he's, he's one of the, you know, you see that, oh, he's six two, two forty, big bruising white guy out of Oregon state. No, he caught four passes for 35 yards, including a touchdown. He's the, he's the rare, um, you know, pass catching white bruising running back. You know, there's there's not too many of those around anymore. And Nall could be a big one uh, on Sunday. We'll see what yeah. happens um, wh- when they take on Minnesota uh, for sure. So Nall is interesting. I like that call. Um, final question uh, we have for you, Clay, before I, I let you enjoy the rest of your evening and the rest of your week and uh, all the Week 10 games. A sleeper that you think not a lot of players will be starting, uh, that but that needs to be in your lineup uh, for Week 10, as well as a guy on the flip side of the coin 
that a lot of people probably will start, but is probably going to boss, probably going to disappoint owners that have him going this weekend. Yeah, so this is um, uh, probably <laughs> the most unpredictable question of the night, but uh, I, I like Jamal Williams uh, for a sleeper. I know Aaron Jones is back, and they're playing the the, uh, the Jags, but I fully expect that uh, the Green Bay Packers, they're, they're probably going to be up significantly by halftime. They're not playing the Houston Texans this week, so uh, and I don't think that they're going to do as good as they did last week uh, with that, that uh, what's his name, Luton guy. I don't I don't really even know much Jake, about him. Jake but, Luton, yeah. Um, Nobody does. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, you know, I think Jamal Williams, the problem, I mean, Green Bay is always, always careful about injuries. And Aaron Jones has got that cap injury. So I think Jamal Williams might play the entire second half. And if he doesn't play the entire second half, I, I fully anticipate he's going to get quite a few touches regardless. And, you know, it's Jacksonville, so I think he'll he'll do good against them. So that's that's my guy that I'm plugging in the lineups. I own him quite in quite a few leagues. So, you know, again, probably biased there, but that's the guy I'm thinking is a good sleeper this week. And the guy that I think that I'm going to sit, um, whether he plays or not, that I have in a few leagues is uh, Joe Mixon. You know, going against the Steelers, uh, you know, he's coming off that foot injury. Um, he has he didn't play that good uh, prior to the foot injury, and, and uh, Pittsburgh's got a, a darn good defense. Um, if he doesn't play, you know, even if Geo – uh, plays instead of him, I'll probably still bench Geo. Um, that's the guy. The, you know, Cincinnati backfield is is who I'm going to sit this week. One guy we will never sit on this podcast. We always start him. It's Clay Corcoran from uh, the sixth place finisher in the uh, Football Guys Players Championship in 2017. Bigger and better things on the way for you, no doubt, Clay. Thank you so much for carving out a little time in your schedule this week to uh, sit and talk shop, talk a little fantasy football with me. I certainly appreciate it. Uh, enjoy week 10, and uh, good luck the rest of the way, man. Well, thank you, Eric. And, and I appreciate you having on me, having uh, having me on, and and uh, good luck to your teams too. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Thank you.